Well, this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of Proverbs. Timeless wisdom. And this morning, we're going to talk about 10 principles on money from Proverbs. Now, I know that the church has a bad reputation when it comes to the thought of preaching and teaching on money. When you go to certain places, you will hear that topic again and again and again and again every week, especially if the church is short on cash. Uh, They will constantly find passages to preach on money. We choose to preach on it with the frequency in which we find it within the Scriptures. It is something that is important because it tells us where our hearts are. I have often said I can tell more about the spirituality of a believer by looking at his checkbook more than looking at his prayer book. Now, prayer is important, but how we use our money will indicate what are the things that we value and how do we view the money that God has given to us. So just a disclaimer to begin with. If you happen to be with us this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, please keep your money. I don't want you in some way to think that by giving to the church, you are going to earn brownie points with God. You will not. Let's be clear about that. God wants you. He wants your heart. He died for you. Giving is an issue for the family of God. Now, nonetheless, this morning as we look through the book of Proverbs, many of the principles that we'll find will apply to believers and to non-believers as well. And you'll see that as we begin talking about these things. And like most messages from the book of Proverbs, we are going to be going all over the book of Proverbs uh, because the book is written of short, uh, pithy statements that give advice. So because of that reason, you'll see the verses up on the screen as we talk about them. Now, let me ask you a question. If you wanted advice on how to manage your money. Wouldn't you want that advice from someone who was financially successful? I mean, do you want to go to a financial planner that's going to tell you, well, I've been bankrupt three or four times. Uh, I have enough investments to cover me in retirement for maybe six months, but let me share with you what you should do with your money. If that was his opening pitch, what would you do? That's right. I'd get up and get out of that office as quickly as I could. Uh, Recently, Barb and I changed financial advisors. Uh, One reason was the guy that we were going to, we determined, wasn't very good. Uh, Secondly, Barb didn't like the guy at all. And she thought, hey, if, you know, the chances are, and ladies, this is true. So this message is relevant to you, ladies, especially. 70% of you are going to find yourself at one time being on your own, single. Most wives outlive their husbands. 
Now, that's probably because the men take better care of the wives than the wives do of the husbands. But, but <laughs> okay. I, that was a joke, please. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can see that posted on internet this week. You know, Facebook. <laughs> Typically, the husbands are older than the wives. Women have a longer life expectancy than men. So, Ladies, particularly, you need to know about the finances of your home. You need to know how to handle things, and you need to know these principles as well. So please don't check out on me this morning. But if I'm going to get uh, advice from someone, I want it from someone who's financially successful. Now, if we think about some of the richest men in the world right now, one is Warren Buffett. He is worth net worth $80 billion. Mark Zuckerberg is worth $97 billion. And these are October figures as of this month. Bill Gates, $116 billion. And Jeff Bezos, $188 billion. But the person whose advice that we're going to be receiving today comes from Solomon, and in today's dollars, Solomon would be worth $2 trillion. More than double the four individuals we put together, if you put all of them together with all of their money, Solomon's net worth would be more than double all of them. It is said of Solomon that he received 25 tons of gold for 39 years straight. Think about that. He is one of the five wealthiest men to have ever walked the face of the earth. So I think he might know a little bit about finances. So we're going to look at some of the advice that he gives. I'm going to give you ten principles from the book of Proverbs on wealth. Number one, honor God with your wealth. Honor God with your wealth. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. All right, now notice what he's saying. With whatever wealth that you have, honor God with that. And with the first fruits. Now, the nation of Israel was an agricultural society, an agricultural culture. So they would bring of their offerings of that which they grew in their fields and of the animals that they raised. And we are being told to give to God our first fruits. The first fruits would be for them. The very first fruit that would come in the harvest, beginning of harvest. And so they would give that, trusting God to provide for the rest of the harvest. Secondly, their first fruits would be of the very best that they had. Not the worst, not which that which they thought that they could get away with giving, but the very best that they have. Bring to God your best. Now, how does that principle apply for us today? 
We should give to God first, not last. We shouldn't write out all of our bills and say, well, what have I got left? Okay, I can give part of that to God. No, we should give to God first and trust Him to provide for our needs. Because notice what the rest of the verse says. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now what he says, and once again, remember when we talk about Proverbs, these are what usually happen. They're not absolutes, they're not promises, but this is what usually happens. When you honor God with that which you have been prospered, he will prosper you more. That's what usually happens. Now, I know that some are afraid to talk about that because we don't want to be identified as the health and wealth preachers. Uh, We don't want to be identified, and we are not those that say, hey, drop $10 or give $10 to church. I was going to say, drop it in the offering plate, but we can't pass offering plates now. Uh, By the way, I was asked last week by someone that is new to our church, and I don't even know that he's He's saved, but he's new. He came up to me uh, out in the lobby and he says, hey, I'm brand new here. I just feel I need to give something. Uh, Now, now don't get the idea I'm giving a lot, but I want to give something. He says, how do I do that? I said, well, you know, as you exited, there was a plate there. Just so you know, when you're leaving, there are plates at the door where you can drop your offering in. I said, also, you can give on the internet. You can go to our website. And you can set up your giving. You can do that through our app. And you can set up your, your gift, a one-time gift, or a regularly occurring gift. And I encourage you to do that. It's, I know some of you feel, well, I need to feel like I'm worshiping God by dropping something in. Okay, that's okay. But you can also give online. But give to God first. When we honor God, He blesses us for our obedience. The late Larry Burkett used to ask all the time, why should God entrust you with more of His money than that which He's already given to you? See, keep in mind, all of our money is really not ours, it's God's. We have been asked to manage God's money. How much money did you bring with you when you came into the world? When you were born, how much money did you have? Zero. Zero. How much of it are you going to take with you when you leave this world? Zero. Now, you may think, you may be saying, oh, no, I'm going to hide it in my casket. Don't tell anybody that or they'll dig your casket up and they'll get it. Some of the Egyptian pharaohs tried that, putting it all in there so that they would have it in the afterlife. And what's happened? It's in museums now and other people have gotten it. You came into the world with nothing, you will leave this world with nothing financially. It's all God's. So what kind of money manager are you? for God. Honor Him. All right, Proverbs eleven twenty four. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds 
what he should give and only suffers want. God has an amount he wants you to give. God has an amount he wants you to share with others. When you withhold that amount you should give, usually what happens, you'll end up suffering because of it. Yet the one who gives freely, that shares with others, the one who is not stingy with his funds. By the way, if you're stingy with your money, you didn't get that from God. God is a generous giver. So honor him. Proverbs 22, 9. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. If you have a bountiful eye, a graceful eye, you are going to share that money with others. Principle number one, honor God with your wealth. Number two, some things are more important than wealth. Proverbs 8, 10 to 11. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Now, when we looked at the fear of the Lord, we talked about wisdom and knowledge, and that we are to seek them first. Wisdom is knowing how to apply knowledge. It is more important for us to gain knowledge and to gain wisdom than to gain wealth. Some things are more important than money. So do not commit your entire life just to money. Proverbs 10.2, treasures gained by wickedness do not profit but righteousness delivers from death. We are not to gain our money by wickedness, by sinful means. There are some things more important than money. Your integrity is more important. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Money brings trouble with it many times. So you are better off to fear the Lord, to walk in light of His commands, than spending your life seeking after money. Proverbs 16, 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. In Proverbs 28, 6, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. So some things are more important than wealth. Let's seek after the better things. Principle number three. There is danger in having too little money, and there is danger in having too much money. In Proverbs chapter 30, we have the prayer of Agur before the Lord. Listen to part of the prayer. He prays. Two things I ask of you. 
Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Now listen to this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Okay, how many of you have prayed that God would give you money or make you rich? I'm, I'm, let's be honest. Who, who has prayed that God would entrust money to you? Okay, I'm not going to ask you to confess your sins here before <laughs> everything. Is there anybody here that has prayed that God would make you poor? Anyone? No. We don't pray that way, do we? But Agar is recognizing there are problems on both ends of the spectrum. When we have too much, we can forget about God. When we have too little, we can be tempted to sin in order to get things for ourselves. There are dangers on both ends of the spectrum. So let me encourage you to be satisfied with what God has entrusted to you. Principle number four, a lack of money presents challenges. I'm surprised there weren't a lot of amens on that principle. (laughs) Proverbs 10, 15. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. What Solomon is telling us is that riches, though we shouldn't live our lives for them, is it does provide some security for us. Now, it's not ultimate security. But look, we should all have plans for the years that are before us. Husbands, you should provide for your wife in the event that something happens to you. We should have plans. And so that becomes like a strong city. Now, it's not what we live for. It's just managing the resources that God has given to us. But the poverty of the poor is their ruin. Chapter 14, verse 20. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. The poor is disliked by his neighbor. Why? Why? Can you help me out a little bit? Can you? Every time you see them, can, they, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? But the guy who is rich, everybody wants to be friends with the rich guy. Uh, that's kind of reiterated again in chapter 19, verse 4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his Uh, All you need to do is read the stories of people who've won the lottery. You know what happens? People come out of the woodwork. You know, say, hey, can you help me here? Can you help me there? Same thing happens with 
athletes who sign these big contracts. Uh, they have family members that they've never heard of before that are coming to them looking for help from them. Principle number five. Hard work and good decisions usually lead to more wealth. Hard work and good decisions. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Now the word sluggard is not one that we use a lot today. What we use today is lazy. That's a term for a sluggard. He is lazy. So go to the ant, O lazy one. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O lazy one? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. I'm always amazed when I'm out working in the, the yard watching ants. And not, they're busy. And if you kick over one of an, an anthill, you just see them all over the place. And, you know, and they're scattering. And, but they're constantly working and noticing them as they would pick up a crumb of food or something. You know, the weight that one of them can, can carry. They are workers. And so we are told to consider the way that the ant uh, works. Proverbs 10.4 tells us, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Don't be lazy. That's why the Apostle Paul in the New Testament tells us, If a man will not work, neither should he eat. That, that should be true. That should be our, our policy. You know, as a church, when people come to us for help, we realize that we are managing the money that people have given to us. So we don't just give to everyone that approaches us. We examine and we want to make sure that we are not supporting a lifestyle that is anti-Christian principles. Now, we help those who are in need, and we strive to be very gracious, but at the same time, we are not going to enable someone who is not willing to work to help themselves. A slack hand results in poverty. Principle number six, do not take advantage of others to become rich. Proverbs 21, 6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and the snare of death. Proverbs twenty two sixteen, Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. In Proverbs 22, 22 to 23. 
Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. Don't get your money by taking advantage of others. There are some who have built their businesses by taking advantage of people who are not quite as smart as they are, or someone who is in desperate need, and they take advantage of that. We are not, as God's children, to get our wealth in that way. God is watching that which we do. Principle number seven, saving little by little makes your wealth grow. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. All right, do you have a savings plan? Are you setting aside money? If you do that, Little by little, it will grow. Resist the get-rich-quick schemes that are out there. Now, as your pastor, I'm aware that I'm talking to some people who are looking to make it big by playing the lottery. (laughs) I... I, I, I will just share this story with you. There, there's a black pastor who is in our city who has told his people. Now, folks, you know you shouldn't be playing the lottery. You also know that if you hit it big, your name's going to be in the paper. And since you know you shouldn't be playing the lottery, if you happen to win, I expect you to give all the money to the church. <laughs> so I, I, I am not encouraging that folks. I am not encouraging that. But, but let me share something with you. I looked this up. Your chances of winning the lottery, of hitting it big, the mega millions, your chance is one in 302 million. How about hitting the Powerball? It's one in 292 million. That is not a good strategy for your savings account. And do not think, just because you pray over those numbers that you put there, (laughs) that the Lord is going to bless that. (laughs) Really, he's not? Saving little by little makes your wealth grow. Principle number nine. When you borrow money, oh, did I skip over eight? Uh, Sorry, yeah, we don't want to miss this one. Wealth can disappear quickly. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. Don't put your confidence in your wealth. It can disappear in a moment. You know, there there are many people 
who are concerned about what's going to happen financially in our country after the election. I mean, they're, 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 the candidates are talking about it. And it's like, okay, listen, don't put your confidence in your wealth because it can be gone in a moment. Can be here today and gone tomorrow. You know, there are people right now in our culture who cannot handle the fact of what is happening to them financially. There are people that because of this virus who have lost their jobs and they've run through their savings and they are desperate. The suicide rate is going up. Listen, friends, your wealth can be here today and gone tomorrow, so don't put your confidence in that. Put your confidence in God. He never changes. He is always the same. He can be counted upon. And if you are God's child, God will care for you. Listen, the loss of your wealth is not a reason for you to take your life. God will meet your needs. That wealth can disappear quickly. Number nine, when you borrow money, you become a slave. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor. How many poor politicians do you think we have in Washington today? The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is the slave to the lender. Now, the Bible doesn't say that you cannot borrow money. Uh, Some people try to take this verse and say, here's a command not to do it. But if you borrow money, you need to realize you become a slave. You are selling yourself as a slave for that money. Because you have to make the payments on what you've borrowed or what will happen. They'll come and take whatever they can. Uh, Try not making the payments on your car. When I was working right outside of, uh, while I was in college, I worked at uh, a place that made sewer pipe. And there was a guy who, who worked there, and he bragged about this. He would come in, and he would get a brand new car. And it was decked out with everything. And you would look at this car, and you say, how in the world can he afford that kind of car on what he's making? And normally about two months later, the tow truck would show up in the work parking place and haul off his car. Now, I don't know how he kept finding people that would loan him money, but I just worked there in the summer, and I saw him lose two cars one summer. But when he got the car, he would brag about it. Well, he was a slave to the people who loaned him the money, and when he didn't make the payments, what happened? They take it away. So just know what you're doing when you're borrowing money. And I would encourage you 
just as God's people, get out of debt. Get out of debt. Some of you have your credit cards maxed out. Some of you are paying 25% on those credit cards. Get the, come up with a plan and get out of debt. Uh, some of you who are so deep in on your credit cards, you say, I'd love to give more money to the church, I just don't know how I can do it. Well, one of the ways you can do it is get those credit cards paid off. Now, if you need help with that, we have counselors in our church who will be more than willing to sit down with you and to help work you through that process, to get you on a budget, and to help you to stick on that budget. So if you need help, call the office this week, and we'll get you hooked up with someone who will help you. Don't spend your whole life as a slave. Proverbs, or principle number 10, be generous to the poor. Be generous to the poor. Proverbs uh, chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. If I'm going to lend money to someone, you know who my, the number one person is I'd like to lend that to? is to God. You think he's going to be faithful in paying it back? You, you, you think he's going to bless beyond the amount that we would lend to him? That's what it says. When you lend to the poor, it's like lending to the Lord. God will repay you for this deed. Now, Solomon, the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth, has given us this advice. Now, there is one, however, who was more wise than Solomon. And he's the one who gave Solomon his wisdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, listen to what he said. Words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me ask you this morning in closing, where is your treasure? What is it that you value? Dear friend, if you are with us this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the most important thing for you is to get into right relationship with Him. Confess your sins, turn away from your sins, and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Do not seek after riches and make them more important than your soul. And for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, let's make sure we're laying our treasures up there.
and let's follow these principles and be disciplined in the use of God's money that he's asked us to manage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the principles that we find there. Help us that we might honor you in all we do and in all we say. Help us, Father, that we might use the wealth that you have entrusted to each of us in a way that will honor you and in a way that will help others come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you have given to us, and we ask that you would continue to bless us in the days ahead as we walk in your truth. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we dismiss this morning, I want to encourage everybody in this congregation to make sure that you go out and vote this year. The election is just in less than than two weeks. It is important for God's people because we have a say in what is going to happen in this election. It is important for us to go out and vote. And I encourage you, when you vote, vote Christian values. Examine the candidates in light of their positions that relate to clear-cut statements that we have in God's Word. There are some issues that are more important than others. Believe me, there are many issues in this election. But there are some issues that are clearly biblical issues. The issue of abortion is a biblical issue. The sanctity of marriage is a biblical issue. Gender identity is a biblical issue. The treatment of the poor is a biblical issue. And there are other biblical issues. I just highlight those for you. And so I encourage you to go. And as a church, if there would be anyone within our body or anyone that's listening to us online, if you would need a ride to be able to go and vote, we will provide that ride for you on election day. All you need to do is call our office and we will have someone who will be willing to take you so you can vote. Now, I know, look, that this whole season has left a distaste in the mouths of many of us. But be thankful you are in a land where you do have the right to vote. And that as Christians, we have a right to help select our leaders. Let's exercise that right that has been given to us. I believe that God would have all Christians be good citizens. And so I encourage you to vote. We have dual citizenship. We're citizens of heaven, but most of us gathered here are also citizens of the United States. 
So please, go out and exercise this privilege that you have. So with that, this morning, we dismiss you. Good morning and Maranatha.